GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. I am the Sphinx. And with me, we've got Hovercraft Joe. What is up, Sphinx? You know what? I like when you do the opening because you always introduce me before lbj and i appreciate that so um thanks thanks it's because i like you more <laughs> <laughs> oh oh that was kind of me wasn't it lpj's here too uh actually so you good. never introduce the champ first he always <laughs> goes on last <laughs> oh okay got it got okay it, got it. there we go uh, we have a special guest with us today, uh, a, a new special guest with us today, but not new to the GameZilla Media Network. Uh, our guest is BMC. How you doing, What's up, man? Fellas? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Yeah, I, I got to make the rounds on all the podcasts, so you were on my list. So I finally <laughs> squeezed you into my busy schedule. I was going to say, I mean, I, I've reached out to you a couple times, and we haven't been able to make it work. So I was happy that we finally were able to to have this happen today. Wait, so hold on, a couple times. I think BMC, I reached out to him two or three times. Oh no, right? hold on. BMC BMC was one of the first people on the list. He just was <laughs> like, "No, it's cool. I don't need to be on your show." And you know, I got things to do. I'm very busy. I'm a frontline well, worker. You know, I can't I can't be sully myself with your shenanigans. Well, really, what it was is all the movies that I wanted. LPJ is like, you know what? This is just not enough action. There's too much slapstick comedy in this or too sci fi. <laughs> so we had to get something that was in between for this one. So, so what you're telling me is that you want to be our first guest for the Laugh Action Podcast. That's what, <laughs> That's what we'll do. Yes. Yes. Well, I'll get on that podcast, get the comedy going. Well, what what I'm hearing is it sounds like he didn't want to be on the show when it was just you two, and now that I'm on the show, he was like, "No, oh, I think maybe I could come on now." Like that's what I'm hearing out of it. So you know. Well, have I listened to more podcasts since Hovercraft Joe joined? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be honest. Yeah, I have. Wow, that hurts. That hurts for a couple reasons. I want yeah, I, you guys should know this too. I got my nickname LPJ at the same time he got his BMC nickname. So, we definitely did, man. We OGs. Oh, we are. For sure. And, and it hurts me. I feel like we, you and I have kind of a, a connection. We're brethren here. And, and it kind of it kind of hurts to hear you say that, that you didn't want to be on the show with me or, or Sphinx. <laughs> it hurts me in my heart deeply. Well, since we go back so far, I we thought do. we'd have that nice banter, you know? That we, uh, <laughs> it is funny how we got our – we got our – no one ever called me BMC before or you LPJ until that – that fighting tournament that we seriously only had one of them since, but we, we did. They were going to be a, we were going to be a series of fighting tournaments, a video game tournaments, and we ended up. I was going to say, one. is this a real life tournament? Like, are you yeah. guys doing Fight Club before? No, yeah, it was Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. um, I got my ass kicked, which is why I became last place. Jason, I was going to say, where 
where is this? Because I would I want I would pay to see LBJ in a real life fight club. Oh yeah, I got my I got my ass handed to me. It was terrible. That's which is why I came. You know, which is where the LPJ last place creation comes in, in play. But uh, but yeah, no, it was a fight. It was a video game fighting game tournament. And I came in dead last place, and that's where I got my nickname. But then BMC, Button Masher Caleb, yes. got his nickname because all he did was smack the controller with his well, giant meaty paw and somehow <laughs> beat me. There's a certain genres that I do not play of video games. I play many genres, but I do not play fighting games. So they're like, oh, do this move. And I can't remember what games we were playing. I'm like, dude, I don't know what these buttons are, so I'm just going to smash everything. Yeah, at one point, <laughs> he was literally just taking the controller and grinding it on his forehead. That is, uh, well, I thought you were going to say grinding on my thighs, because that's actually what happened. Oh, oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Lord, we've already got pretty far. You, you don't like talking about grinding thighs? What's going on? Well, you know, maybe on a different podcast, but, but we are a movie podcast here today. Uh, BMC brought with us today the 2018 sci-fi action flick Upgrade, and I'm pretty sure none of us as the hosts had ever seen this movie, right? Not only had I not seen this, when you told me which one we were doing, Joe and I had the same thought. I thought he was talking about Hardcore Harry or Hardcore Henry. Henry. (laughs) 100%. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I've seen clips of Hardcore Henry. I I know what that movie is. And no, this is not that movie. This is something (laughs) totally different. Yes. So It's funny you mentioned that. I said, so do you mention Hardcore Henry? Because I was going to do that one because I'm like, well, that's really video gamey. But I remember getting a slight headache watching that movie. So I didn't know if you guys would want to watch that one. Oh, yeah. I, what I saw, I enjoyed a lot of Hardcore, hardcore Henry. Okay. Well, what's so Next funny, too, what's funny, too, is I think when I went to rent uh, Upgrade on Amazon, you know, like below, it's like, you may also like, and I think Hardcore Henry <laughs> was one of those ones there. And I was like, oh, that's the movie I thought this was. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a wild chance that a lot of our listeners might not know a lot about this movie. So I'm I'm curious, BMC, what what brought you to this movie, and then why did you decide to pick it for us today? Well, I love sci-fi movies in general. Pretty much anything that's sci-fi, I'll I'll watch, even if it's a bad sci-fi movie. Uh, but uh, actually, our our boy Bax brought this to my attention when it first came out. Uh, I actually never seen it or didn't even hear about it. And it's um, I don't know if you'd say it's a I don't say not B movie, but we'll make an indie style movie. Didn't have a crazy budget. I know it didn't make a lot of money, but uh, it's just a movie I really enjoyed. I've actually watched it three times. That's how much I enjoyed like the action scenes of it. But yeah, uh, Bax told me about it, and I pretty much take whatever Bax says about movies to be gospel. So I watched it, and yeah, I really had a good time. You know, and that's one thing we should bring up about this movie is it is produced by Jason Blum, famously of Blumhouse, who does low-budget either horror or action films. Actually, this was really one of their few action films they did. They generally just do horror films. So they did um, uh, um, Happy Death Day. They did The Purge. They did uh, Get Out. So that's who who Blum, what Blumhouse usually does. This is kind of outside of their wheelhouse uh, as far as action films go. Yeah, I also wrote down Blum has done all the paranormal activity movies. Yeah, uh, he did the redo to Halloween. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he also did Whiplash, which would also be kind of out of his realm yeah. um, as a drama. But but yeah, I was I was really surprised uh, looking at what he had done. And then kind of this one was here as well. So but, you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, you brought up the sci fi because when when BMC and I were talking, we, we both kind of were talking about on the Discord how we both had gotten really into some sci fi action movies lately. Mm-hmm. Like I've been rolling through all the alien movies and whatnot. So when you were trying to figure out a movie, you're like, I'm really into the sci-fi action right now. I'm like, perfect. Like, so am I. So, uh, you know, I'm really happy that you brought this movie up to us because it was something I had never even heard of. And, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah. So. And, and I, too, I like sci-fi action films a lot as well. They're kind of one of those one of those genre of films that I really am drawn to for whatever reason. Um, so I was I was excited to sit and watch this. Yeah. I was excited too about the 90 minutes it was as well. So. Is that? Oh, I was going to say, I love this movie for, well, I don't want to give away my, my rating or anything, but I enjoy this movie because it's a tight 90 and it's, I think it's really well told. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I will just add kind of before we get into it here, like I, it, 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 there is something for as many movies as we cover in this podcast, there's something kind of intriguing about a movie that it's, I literally know nothing about, like, going into it. You know, like, a lot of the movies, even the ones that I haven't seen that we cover, I'm like, oh, I remember that one, or I remember the trailers, or I have an idea. But this was literally one that was like, I got I got nothing. I got the description from when I rented it on Amazon and kind of went into it. So it's, it's kind of fun to get a movie like that that's literally, like, a blank slate to me. So it, w- it was fun to kind of dig into it for sure. Um, but kind of like got that out of the way, let's dig into a little bit of the numbers up front. Um, the release date on this was June 1st of 2018. Um, I couldn't find an exact, I, I found a couple different varying things. The budget was somewhere between like three and $5 million is what I found. Like there were kind of differing reports, uh, a domestic gross of 11 million and a worldwide gross of 16 million. So not a huge gross, but based on how much it costs to make a fairly successful film, um, now this is where um, I, this is interesting too. The Rotten Tomatoes on this is eighty eight percent, and the audience score is eighty seven percent. So both numbers very high for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the top grossing movies of two thousand eighteen, um, <laughs> this is a very Disney dominated <laughs> year. So you have yeah. Black Panther at number one, uh, Infinity War at number two, and Incredibles two at number three. Uh, movies that we have done from 2018, you have number 13, Venom, uh, which will probably come up again at some point during this. Uh, number 44, Skyscraper. Uh, number uh, 83, The Spy Who Dumped Me. And then this movie came in 123rd <laughs> for the year. So, but again, I mean, that seems bad, but based on how much it costs to make this. And, and I have to say, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it a little more, but like, I would not peg it. I mean, obviously I know the numbers, but I wouldn't peg this as a movie that was so relatively cheap as far as movies. Yeah, no, this this looks like this looks like a twenty five to thirty million dollar film. It doesn't look like a cheap movie like that's Like that's and I guess that speaks to some of the technology that exists and what you can do and stuff. But like I was surprised when I saw that was basically a indie movie for how much they shot it for. So. And I would also say, you know, it's said that it was only released in 1,300 theaters in, in the United States. And I kind of don't really understand why. 
like going back into, you know, the fact that this is part of the Bloom production and all of that, you know, with how much, I don't know. It just like it, I don't know. I'm just confused why they decided to not really broadly expand this movie. Maybe they weren't able to grab a large studio to, to promote it or endorse it. But I, I don't know. Anyone else find that interesting? And maybe because it's kind of focused in Australia, I feel like the Aussies have become a rising movie market. So maybe, maybe well, that has something to do with it. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the Blum model is they do, they do limited releases. They don't do wide release. Even a film like Get Out had a limited release and it didn't become popular until word of mouth spread. And then they started to do a wide release for it. Same thing with Whiplash. Whiplash yeah, was true. not w- widely released. It was very limited to indie houses. And then, you know, once you know, once it started to get Oscar buzz, then they did a wide release on it. I, I wonder too if they, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder too, if the, the reason maybe why they did it this way too, is so they could get a little bit more artistic freedom. Um, and, and how they do the movie as well. You know, you start to go into these bigger studios and you know, all these producers start swooping in and wanting to make their well, own adjustment to it. So maybe this was a way for them to kind of keep it raw. And, and again, because this was written by, um, it's Lee Wanell, right? I believe is the name. Yeah. Well, and that's that's again, that's the Jason Blum model. Like this is his studio. It's Blum House because he runs it. It's like he's like the Vince McMahon of this studio. He runs everything. Everything goes through him. Right. Um <laughs> interesting. And his whole take Yeah. Well, and his whole take is, you know, he lets the filmmaker do what they want to do. He doesn't he doesn't restrict them, he doesn't get involved. He supplies the money and, and, you know, if you want to make this movie, this is the amount of money I'm going to give you. You can make it for that amount of money or you can go somewhere else, but you get to do whatever it is you want to do. So he just stands back, does what he, you know, lets them go make their movie. And this Lee Whannell guy has been working with Blum and people associated with him for forever. Like he's the guy that wrote Saw. He wrote Insidious. He wrote. Uh, you know, all the Insidious films. He's kind of been around for quite a while. Well, and then I wanted to mention, too, the new movie with Blum and Winnell that that's big is The Invisible Man, that one with yeah. Elizabeth Moss. Yep. And that was getting really, really good reviews, like fantastic reviews. Unfortunately, COVID cut its time in the theater short, but uh, that one was already up to $130 million when COVID struck, and it only had a $7 million budget. Wow. So, and apparently I haven't seen it yet because right when COVID happened, they immediately released it to, uh, you know, to stream. So, yeah. Yeah. And they have, they have a sequel for that in the works already. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the tagline real quick. I know it's a little bit out of order, but there was only one tagline. So it's not man, not machine more. (laughs) Okay. Not not, not terrible. (laughs) Kind of gives a little bit of a clue to the movie, but you know, yeah, whatever. All right, it's a, it's a tagline. All right, yeah. <laughs> you know you what? They, that's not where they spent their money, obviously. <laughs> no, clearly. You got some uh, casting information for us on the craft show? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <sighs> there's really just one name of mention, I guess I would say. Yeah, I mean, I have the cast here, but I mean, honestly, it's not really anybody that I feel like is notable. I mean, the star is Logan Marshall green. 
who's yeah. probably the most known. But the only thing I know him for from is from Spider-Man Homecoming, which is like he doesn't even have a big role in that. So I, I mean, honestly, there's not really anyone else in this. It seemed to be from just the little research I did. Obviously, it was shot in Australia. That seemed to be all. Australian actors, like local people that they got to be in this. I don't think there's anyone, unless I'm missing someone, LBJ, that's kind of your I have one person. His wife, Melanie Vallejo, uh, was the uh, blue mystic ranger in Power Rangers Mystic Force. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. Yep. So I actually like Logan Marshall Green a lot. I've only seen him in a couple of things. Uh, Again, he's not a big actor. He's like a budget Tom Hardy, though. He kind of yeah. looks like Tom Hardy. Yeah. He, he does look like Tom Hardy. But he acted just like Tom Hardy. Yes, he does, but he enunciates a million times better than Tom Hardy. Let's be <laughs> honest. Give you that. Tom Hardy's Tom Hardy has like a swollen tongue most of the time. <laughs> I, that's what I, mean. I can't. I love Tom. I love Tom Hardy, but I can't understand him. So when I saw Logan in this movie, I'm like, you know what? I appreciate you look like Tom, but I can understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Absolutely, because Tom Hardy and I—I I do not like Tom Hardy. Okay, <laughs> Venom really, really ruined him for me for good. And I, when I saw the face of this guy, I was expecting Tom Hardy because I knew the movie was <laughs> in Australia. Awesome. So I'm like, am I going to understand anything that's going on in this movie? I even had the subtitles ready uh, to get oh, going. Wow. But but no, he enunciated great, and I thought he did a great job in the film. Yeah. That really bums me out that I gave you my digital copy of Venom and then you trashed the movie so much. <laughs> you should have given it to me. That movie was oh. shit, Hovercraft Joe. Before we get too like- far into this, this is neither here nor there, but the, in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, he was like the, the original shocker guy, right? Yeah. Like that's who he played? Yeah. The one that uh, Michael, uh, Michael Kidd kills? Okay. Okay. I, want, I Actually, I wanted to ask you guys if you knew who he was. So that's who he was? So yeah. yeah, he's been in other things school. too. He had like a bit part in 24. He was in the yeah. OC. Um, if you guys want to see a Prometheus. pretty good movie he was in, that I actually really liked. It's called The Invitation. Another low-budget movie. It's like a mind thriller. He's in that. If anyone knows, I know Bax would probably know because Bax knows everything about movies. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't, I, I mean, because of the fact that none of these actors are necessarily well-known, I don't really have any net worth. I couldn't find anything, you know, um, the one site that I used that I trust, like none of these people were on it. And then you kind of get into <laughs> dicey territory where every site you go to is like something different. So I, I don't really have anything, but you know, so right. that's, that's not worse for you. It's I wasn't good. trying to go with the movie that no one's ever heard of, but I just thought this was a, a gem that people need to know about. Cause like you said, nobody really watched it or not nobody, but not very many people. And like I said, when I was watching, I was like, I've never seen you before. I've never seen you before. <laughs> But but I still enjoyed it. Now, I want to ask, though, because I feel like there might be another piece to this. So this movie was, was stated online as being a cyberpunk movie. And we're talking about video games a little bit right now. Cyberpunk 2077 is literally coming out days of this recording. It's supposed to be. I, th- I think you set it up this way. I think you set it up this way. It, it was in the back of my mind, to be honest with you, especially, you know, after seeing this movie and being super hyped about cyberpunk, um, <laughs> it, it was in the back of my mind. But it, I was actually looking at this movie and a few other movies, but I thought this was the the one that needed the most attention 
People probably heard of Hardcore Henry. Another movie I was looking at was the reboot of Judge Dredd, which is actually oh, good. Man. Oh, man. Dredd is, Dredd is so Dredd. good. Holy okay, you guys God. already see it. See, but this is the thing. You guys already seen it, and I really like it too because the action is amazing. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I, I'm 100% sure none of them ever heard of Upgrade. And I thought you were going to come back with, you know what? We never heard of this movie. We can't find any info. Why don't you get a little bit more mainstream? Well, see, that's where you caught us at a good time because the way we do things are uh, we'll go see a movie before we check to actually see if there's anything we can find about the movie. That's yeah. true. <laughs> I just want to give you guys a shorter episode, you know? <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I honestly, I I think there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, with so I, I think, yeah, let's let's roll into it at this point. Yeah, because I one thing I want to mention is, you know, we're saying it's a sci-fi action. But I kind of want to say as well, it's also a murder mystery in this film as well. You know, you are throughout the entire film, you're trying to figure out why it is what happens in the beginning of this film happens. So like this movie to me, it's like Terminator meets the Matrix meets iRobot. I would say it's a huge combination of. Uh, and I love all three of those movies. So, I, I mean, maybe I'm spoiling a little bit. Like, I found this a fascinating movie to watch. Well, yeah. and the movie also has, like, uh, if, if you've seen, you guys ever seen Ex Machina? With, yes. Uh, this has a very so Ex Machina kind of feel to it as well. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, but you're right. I mean, it's kind of like, like, a, like a modern twist on a film noir. Um, yeah. And and it's just a very different like it it feels the same, but it's done in very in a very different way. And I think that's what's refreshing about the film is it's something I've seen before, but I haven't seen it before. You know what I mean? Yeah. You haven't seen it the exact way. Right. Yeah. And I I love the themes that the film brings up because they're themes that we have talked about on the show. Usually when we do sci fi action movies that always get me riled up. You know, like robots taking over and we're all going to fucking die. And I mean, how do you watch this movie and not compare the the guy to Elon Musk? You know, like the boy, Elon, the same way, you know, like there's just all of these comparisons. But I also love the theme that, you know, the protagonist is rejecting the technology that is available to him in this futuristic world. And it's exactly that technology that's causing all of this chaos to happen. And the film just does a really great job, I think, creating this futuristic world. Like, you really get a strong idea of of what they're trying to propose. And in all honesty, it's a warning to us because it seems to me like this could be a not-so-distant future, you know? (laughs) Swings is always You're like, so paranoid. I am of computers and AI. Do you, have a Do you see these fucking monolisks that He's keep not- showing up all over the world? You know What's what? Going let's, on here? let's pull the curtain back right now. You didn't move <laughs> because you needed a different house. You moved because your bunker wasn't big enough. You don't even knew <laughs> you're you're recording right now in your fallout shelter, aren't you? One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> you're in a you're in a panic room. I can see it. Yep. <laughs> well, this is a good year to have a panic room, right? Come on. Uh, true. That's that's true. <laughs> right? All right. So let's get into the so, movie. Yeah. So, I mean, we start off, the, the main character is Gray, okay? And he's a mechanic. You know, he's using his hands. He's doing things that 
again, in this futuristic world, you don't need to be using hands because his wife. Well, more specifically, go ahead. I just want to say something up front. This is how little I knew about the movie. My third note is, wait, this movie takes place in the future? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like they, they, they show, because in, in, in uh, LBJ will know what I'm talking about. They, they, they show like the future car and it's like that classic, well, what's a future car look like? Like, I don't know. It's like boxy. Yeah. <laughs> drives I don't belt. know. It's boxy. Like, it's got like windows that might be there. I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, like, We'll get into it more, but I feel like that's where you can see the budget on this movie because I feel like they had the budget for like two future cars because yeah. most of the cars they show are just normal cars except yeah. for a couple of the boxy future cars yeah. that you see on the road. So, which, anyways, which I know, I know BMC is a car guy. Maybe that's another reason why he brought this film up. So my uncle has that '79 Trans Am oh, Firebird Smokey oh. and the Bandit. Oh. It is an awesome fucking car. Man. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> you say like a you say like a guy LPGA that has kids and you don't have the money for that because you have kids and I agree with you. You're, <laughs> you're right. Uh, like my dream, honestly, my dream is to one day uh, rebuild the car from the ground up. Yeah, man. But you know what? We're gonna do that when we're too old to put a wrench in our hands. That's okay. <laughs> you know what? I bought pneumatic tools, so we're good. Hey, there you are, man. Great. And I love the 70 Dodge Challenger later in the film, too. Oh, yeah. God, that car is hot. Anyway, so... so yeah. So, so Gray is this mechanic. You know, he's working on these classic cars. And obviously, it gets juxtaposed with his wife that works for this robotics company, I guess. And she's sitting in the, you know, the autonomous driving car, right? So we're already seeing a clash in the household between these two, you know? And so, you know, they're they're having this conversation. Uh, you know, we get some of that futuristic stuff. It's like Google Home, right? Like the home is talking to him, talking to her. Oh. She's talking about heating up a, or printing a pizza. Yeah. You know? well, I, I have something to bring up. So they mentioned in the film that he doesn't have any kind of like augmentations or something. I didn't ca- yeah. quite catch what that is. Like they Like everybody else has some kind of. Yeah, like heightened senses, like either something for their eyes or something for their smell or something that just makes them more than human. And he doesn't want anything in his body. He just wants to be 100% human. Okay, so everybody else has some kind of like cybernetic implant is essentially what it is. It's normal. Yeah, and I I, I, I kind of, uh, well, not side, we're not having an argument, but I I don't think they did the best job conveying that, like... Because, like, that comes up later on as, like, a major plot point. And I I didn't really get that on this viewing. Maybe on a subsequent viewing I would. But, like, I didn't get that they were, like, everybody has these upgrades except for him. Like, I I don't know if they presented that in the best way. I mean, not that it matters that much, but I I was a little confused about that as well. Well, Mike, his wife works at a company that does those types of things, and he's totally against it. So that's where I got the hint that – that they didn't have like arguments, but he he would just give her these eyes, like you know what, I know you make the money that way, but I don't want any of that in my body. Right, right, yeah. And so he he tells her that he has to deliver one of these classic cars to someone that she's going to know, someone very famous. And so they they drive out, and it's this creepy house with like some rock dome that they walk through. It's essentially just like two rocks set up as, uh, as like a, as like a marker. 
And yeah, the house yeah. is actually underground. Exactly. And it's uh, it's Aaron Keen, but it's spelled E-R-O-N, very similar to Elon, E-L-O-N. <laughs> the only difference is one letter. And, and he owns this rival computer company from the wife. Um, and he talks about this chip called STEM. And the movie was actually going to be called STEM. I don't know if people caught that. Yeah. That was one of the few pieces of information I got. And uh, apparently this, you know, this microchip just accelerates this upgrading of the human body to very dramatic levels. So it's just kind of shown. And then it's just that's kind of it. And so she's kind of like starstruck. You know, she talks about how you're awesome. I'd love to talk to you. You know, I do similar stuff, yada, yada, yada. But then they, you know, they drive home in the autonomous car. And for whatever reason, you know, at the time, the autonomous vehicle, you know, has a mind of its own. It malfunctions. Yeah, takes them into this shady neighborhood, which is actually where Gray was brought up. And the car flips. It gets in a car accident. Uh, And sure enough, you know, we start to see these police drones all show up. But then at the same time... Another car pulls up and, well, they they murder the wife from point-blank range and then they shoot Gray um, in the neck. Specifically in the, yeah, in the neck, specifically in the neck. And he does survive and then we kind of get clued into him in the hospital bed and we find out that he becomes quadriplegic. Right. So he can't use any of his limbs anymore. Right. Which, you know, again, tying into that theme, this is a huge hit to him because his job and his life is using his own body, you know, to do his job. And he just lost his wife. So there's a scene where he, like, tries to overdose himself. um, (laughs) I have a note. I have a note note at this point that's like, man, this movie is bumming me out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The first, like, 15 minutes of this movie, I'm like, oh, boy, what did I get myself into? Because I'm like, this, he's like, he's like, he's paralyzed, his mom's, like, staying with him and taking care of him, and he tries to kill himself, and I'm like, uh-oh. And, and I did, and, and I'm surprised none of us mentioned it yet, but this is also where there's a very strong RoboCop feel to this movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it just seems like, Nothing is working for him. But then he gets contacted by Aaron. Aaron just shows right? up. Yeah. Aaron just shows Which is up weird because he's supposed to be some kind of shut in. Like he doesn't leave yeah. his house. Yeah. He goes to the hospital, not the house. Yeah. I'm he sorry. goes to the hospital. He goes to the hospital because he's got a mask on and all that. He's got a mask on, which is like, it's so weird. Like any other <laughs> year you watch this and be like, oh, it's weird. He has a mask on. And now you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so he says, like, I can fix you. Like that that chip that I gave that I showed you, STEM, you give me the chance to put it in you and you can do it. And at first Gray's like, no, I don't care. I don't really want to live. You know, I don't have my wife. And then he kind of convinces him, like, you know, what would your wife want? Right. And so he's like, fine, I'll do it. Probably a little bit too graphic for my taste that we see the surgery of this thing going in the guy's back but whatever um but like they're saying it's going to take a couple days or weeks for him to recover but it's like instantaneous he can start to do all of these actions and he becomes once again a fully functional 
human being for the yeah. most part. So essentially what the STEM chip does is it bridges the gap between where his spinal cord was severed. So uh, his brain tells the chip what to do, and then the chip actually controls all of his muscles. Yeah. But then when he gets home, we find out that the chip is actually, there's a lot more fucking going on. Yeah, here, it has right? its own yeah. AI built into it, and the chip is, is beginning to communicate through him. It's actually vibrating his eardrums in his head and uh, so that he can hear the chip speak to him, but nobody else can hear it. Yeah. And so we also have this side plot where he's talking with the detectives uh, and particularly uh, her name is escaping me right now. Cortez. Cortez, Cortez. Thank you. Detective Cortez. And he like, he's frustrated that they're, they're not able to get any information about these people that, that committed this crime. Um, but then she, you know, keeps visiting the house and she ends up dropping all of this information off to him, which I'm like, I'm not sure you can't share crime evidence. Even if it's the guy that was involved, you know, that was the... I even do do have a note. It's like, I don't think you could drop all the case files for like... Like, he literally has a giant binder of all the stuff for the investigation and, like, the video feed from the drone. Yeah, he's got access to the police drones uh, yeah, to watch. how investigations work, but hey, I mean... Hey, listen, it's like 2046 or 47. Maybe the laws have changed. You don't know. You don't yeah. know. Maybe it's more open society. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe it's like Minority Report, and pretty soon they're going to start killing people before they can commit the crime, right? Man, we can only hope, right? <laughs> yeah, I can only hope the FC. <laughs> Good Lord. I can see why he picked this super dark movie. Yes, please pick it. Please, BMC, let's make him let's make Sphinx more paranoid right now. <laughs> well, why do you think I picked this movie? I want to mess with Sphinx head. Well, I've been All you gotta do about is speak in an accent. Movie. All you gotta do is speak in a, in a ridiculous accent, trust me. That works just fine. Or tell him that tell him that you're a big fan of the movie Spawn and he'll probably oh, God. I still have not seen that. I listened to your podcast on it. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I don't, I don't need to see this. Yep. You're absolutely right. You're missing but, out. But this is exactly like when I watch some of these horror movies with Deadite. That this movie, like I watched it yesterday. I, I've, I've been thinking about it all day. So, yeah. 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 yeah I'm, I've reached that level of paranoia. But like anyway. I think, though. Yeah. And so he's watching the drone uh, video and STEM detects what the police couldn't detect. So he notices that the guy that shot his wife didn't actually have a gun, which means that there must have been some sort of implant and his arm, in fact, is a gun. And then the other person, he notices a tattoo. And the tattoo, I believe, literally had his name on it, but also his military rank. Right. And so he is going to go to the police. But what we didn't mention before Aaron said that, like, he wasn't allowed to do this surgery. He had to file a conf- uh, confidentiality report. So he can't report this to the police because there's no way Gray could have caught that on the drone. You know, it, it only could have been caught by the computer, by STEM. So STEM essentially convinces Gray that now that you are fully functional, how about you investigate what's going on here? And we find out as the film goes on that that was kind of Stem's plan all along, was to have this happen. Can I say something about Stem real quick? The yeah. voice. I love the voice on this. 
because I played Doom 2016. I don't know if you guys have played the reboot Doom game no. yet. Yeah. Anybody? Okay. Yeah, the yeah. voices are almost identical. Uh, well, I've actually, I didn't look up the voice at all, but I just really enjoyed the, the robotic like voice that Stem has throughout the movie. I, I think really dig it. I think that Simon Maiden guy, he's the voice of Stem. I think he does do voiceover work. Yeah. Okay. I think I, I wonder that. if he is he the guy that did for Doom or not. Uh, Could be. I don't know. Well, LPJ is looking it up. Um, I don't see it. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. He, he, he goes to the guy's house that had the tattoo. And, um, you know, Stem is kind of telling him every step of the way, right? So he's telling him when you can leave your... Because he has to still pretend that he's quadriplegic. So he's, he's literally in his wheelchair heading to town. But then he lets him know when, you know, okay, it's safe. You can get out of the wheelchair and do all that kind of stuff. So he breaks into the guy's house to investigate what's going on. The guy shows up. He tries to hide. Stem's trying to tell him, like, how to step-by-step, like, maneuver his way out of the house. But he doesn't really listen to him. He sees him through the mirror. And then this fight takes place where he just gets the shit kicked out of him (laughs) for the first couple minutes here. But then Stem tells him, like, if you give me control, I can fight back for you. And when he's about to get, I think it's stabbed by a knife, right? He's about to get pretty much murdered. Stem takes over and just fucking obliterates this guy. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's like 20 plates just get bashed over the guy's head. And Gray just, like, can't believe it. He's like, holy shit, like, I can't believe that I have, like, essentially these powers now. Um, Which I read... Go go ahead. And and, And this whole fight scene, the fight scenes in general when Stem is taken over are shot in a way I've never seen before. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a, a film like frame this way. And I guess the way they did it is they had a phone mounted on gray and the cameras that they used could track the GPS coordinates and the gyroscopic motion of the phone. And they had it rigged with the computer to actually computer control the cameras so that it created that sort of center frame kind of shot. And it's, it's very interesting the way they did it. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. It's like some James Cameron shit right there. Yeah, yeah I really like the way they shot the action of this movie because so many action movies, as you guys know, are just like, oh, let me just do this really quick movement and then this guy flips over backwards. Like, well, I really didn't see anything, but I like in this that you can see everything. And I got to point out that Logan Marshall Green does a great job with his facial expressions in this scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like stabbing the guy, hitting him with cups, and he's got this pained look on his face. Like he doesn't want to do it, but he well, has no control. And that's actually the other part of it is, uh, as I was reading, that that was intentional because stem, the stem chip can only control everything below where it's installed. So it can't oh, control okay. anything above his head, uh, at least initially. Uh, oh, okay. and that's, and that's why his head has that kind of disconnected facial, uh, expressions and facial mo- and, and mo- motion compared to the rest of his body. Yeah. And I, and I didn't notice it, but I did read it said, like, if you watch in that first fight, there's actually a part where he like takes the hand and like physically moves his head out of the way because he can't, stem can't control the head. <laughs> he, he like pushes awesome. his head like out of the way of the knife in one scene. And I think this is a good part to bring it up because even before, like even the scenes, that aren't the action fight scenes. I really kind of appreciated the work that he does like to give just like a kind of feel of somebody who's not completely control of their body. Like the way he walks 
and moves throughout the whole movie. Yeah. I think it does a really good job of kind of portraying that. Like, like it's not exaggerated, but you get the feel of like someone who's not a hundred percent control of their body. And it's not maybe necessarily reacting like our bodies do. Like it is kind of good. So you kind of got like a little bit of robotic movements whenever he's like walking and stuff, like the way it is, like, I think they did kind of the right balance with it where it's not like too much, but there's definitely, you can tell there's something robotic about the way he's moving, even when he's not fighting. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a one. really, it's an impressive acting job it by is. this guy. It really is. Um, because this can't be easy to do, you know? Um, and so we get, uh, as STEM takes over, it is a gruesome death. I mean, he pretty much awesome. goes sideways with this knife and just like rips his mouth open. You know, just rips yeah. it apart. Yeah, almost to... like he's ripping the top of his head off through his jaw. Yeah. 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 Like, a def- you know, we've seen a lot of fucking action movies on this show. That is a death that I've never seen before. That is craziness. The... Yeah. I have, yeah. I have never seen anything like that before. <laughs> I'm glad you get to get a little shock and awe. That's, that's kind of why I picked it too. Yeah. And so. Uh, he's at the moment. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I just want to say, like, that death was really not my favorite death in the film. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I like was, how that it was, uh, it wasn't computerized, though. I like that most of it was, um, oh, I'm, uh, there we go. Thank you. Practical. I do like that he used a lot of practical effects in this Yeah, movie. they actually stuck the knife in the guy's mouth and pulled <laughs> it back and killed him. It was so practical. <laughs> Very low budget. They had to just actually do it for real. <laughs> and then insurance covered the rest of it. So those confidentiality reports are real. Everyone had to sign one, hit them. Mm-hmm. and people are missing. Because again, Elon Musk is probably behind this fucking. Movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. That's anyway, so they're at the morgue. the The detective is there, and the the guy that's checking out the body is like, "There are there's this body has been manipulated." Right. There's even more upgrades to this body than kind of what BMC was talking about before, like the little enhancements that some people have. Like this body is overhauled. And that's also where they catch that there's a weapon pretty much installed in the guy's arm. Yeah, He essentially has a shotgun built into his arm. Like there's a place for him to to actually rack the bullets into (laughs) his 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 like forearm. And then he can cock it just by bending his elbow, essentially. Yeah. Aaron uh, ends up coming back. This is when Aaron goes to Gray's house and they're kind of confronting each other because Aaron is like, you're, you know, you're not supposed to be out and about, you know, you're going to cause trouble. You're going to get me in trouble. And then that's when Gray admits that well, stems talking to him. And Aaron is like, what do you mean STEM is talking to you? Like he didn't know that that was a thing that could actually happen, which we'll find out later what that's all about. But then, you know, Cortez is looking through the drone footage and sees that wheelchair and sees Gray right outside this house. So she's like, what the fuck? Like, what, what is this guy doing at this crime scene of his, you know, of a suspect of his wife's murder? So she goes to kind of check out, you know, Gray. But, you know, this is kind of also kind of a neat part to the movie. The guy has, like you would think the safest alibi in the book. I mean, the dude is quadriplegic, right? Like how could he possibly do anything? And so she kind of like laughs it off, you know, like I'm crazy. Like I, I just, I guess I just wanted to kind of check out what was going on, you know? And so from there, um, 
he goes to an off the grid bar, which again, I'm currently somewhere that's off the grid. So the old bones, the old bones, right. And it's a fucking crazy ass place. It's Uh, essentially like everybody is cyber. It's like, it's like future roadhouse. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I have to say that I, one of the scenes that delighted me the most in this was when he kind of like, he's still in the wheelchair. He's still pretending to be like, he can't move. And like that speech he gives when he gets everyone's attention in the bar. And he's like talking about how he's looking for information about who murdered his wife. Like that, that was really funny to me. Like I got a genuine laugh out of that whole sequence there. Yeah. For how dark the film is, it definitely sprinkles a little comedy here and there, you know, which is necessary. (laughs) Yeah. There's a little comedy coming up in the bathroom. If no one points it out, I got to point it out. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, he essentially like, like Covercraft Joe said, like he's asking, you know, he has this speech at the bar and he's like, I'm looking for a suspect for my wife's death. And, you know, one guy finally kind of stands up. And he's like, yeah, I was there. And he's like, you got a problem with it? And he's, you know, he's pretty much threatening. Gray is threatening this guy. Like, you know, your pal threatened me the same way. And now his ass is in a body bag. And everyone's looking <laughs> at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're, you know, you're, you're essentially crippled in this wheelchair. So they drag him into the bathroom. And that's when everything kind of gets admitted that, yeah, I was there. And, and I was kind of like, I was on a... There, you know, it I was, was a job. Paid. Yeah, it was a job. Yeah, it was a job. I was paid to do this. And then he's like, you didn't know that I was a fucking ninja. And so because <laughs> they start they start tossing him around and beating the shit out of him. But then, like, when the moment is ready, you let Stem take over. And I think it's, was it, like, four or five guys? He four just guys, fucking, yeah. yeah, he just fucking wrecks them <laughs> in this bathroom. Well, I love how that, that uh, Gray lets them prick him with a knife. Yeah. And you can hear Stem saying, I'm going to just make it so you can't feel this. And he's talking yeah. to, I don't know the, the bad guy's name, but the main guy's like, I just need to hear you say, hear you say that you killed my wife. And as soon as yeah. he said it, Gray's like, you can take over now, Stem. And he <laughs> just beats the crap out of them. Yeah. yeah. And so he's trying to get more information out of the, the guy. His name was Tolan. Tolan. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, again, like he, like, Stem's telling him, torture him to get the information out. But Gray's like, I can't do it. So he's like, you're, I'm going to let you take over again. And Gray's and Stem's taking over of the torture is rough. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was going to rip out his ear or take his ear off. But instead he just machetes his face apart. Yeah. And just just slices him all over his face. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that point he pretty much does dish out everything that he knows. Um, and then at that point, too, Aaron once again finds out that Gray is off and out and about and using Stem to do things. So he is trying to shut Stem down. So Stem is telling Gray, like, Aaron's trying to shut me down. I, you know, I found some hacker, essentially, that can override, you know, his, I, what was the actual term he used? I don't remember. <laughs> input guards his input guards thank you yeah like i can go through the the firewall and you know give you full control so aaron can't so i have to say though that's another thing that i appreciated his uh acting job when he was like when like the process of aaron shutting down stem and kind of as he like can move less and less of his body to like ultimately he's like crawling with like one hand i i appreciated like that 
like the physical acting involved in that to kind of simulate that was yes. really good. I too appreciated the physical acting. However, if you're going to write something that shuts something down, it's instant. It's not like right. you're not manually shutting down individual parts of your body. If he's going to enact a code to shut something down, it's just going to shut it down. There's no, you're not shutting down parts of it. You're just oh. shutting it down. See, I took it as like that Stem was able to like fight back against it for a little bit, but that he couldn't, you know, that he was kind of stopping him from shutting it down all at once, but that he eventually was going to be able to. That's what I took it as. But I, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely see both sides. I think I kind of took it the way Hovercraft Joe's took it, but I kind of agree with LPJ too. Like, it seemed like it took Aaron a really long time to try and well, stop the body and. Obviously, that's that had to happen. Sure, it's like part of the they film. were, but when they were describing it in the film, it it seemed to me like it was going to take like two minutes for it to happen. Yeah, but it was a solid like twenty minutes, maybe maybe fifteen minutes <laughs> of the yeah, film. Yeah, he had time to move locations to go find yeah. this hacker. Yep, and somehow when he goes into that hacker's you know building, he he doesn't use the elevator. He climbs what looks like five or six flights of stairs, but half of his body is shut down at that point. Wouldn't have taken him like two hours to get his ass up there? It, it'd certainly take a while. It takes me a while to get up a flight of stairs, and I uh, you know can fully <laughs> move. Legs and everything. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say. I had to say like, and we'll get into this more at the end. But the, probably like the. This is the thing about the, probably the thing in the movie that I dislike the most is so I like they go Fisk, who we find out is kind of like the main bad guy. They go to the bar and he's got like this cool thing where he goes into Tolan's eye and he's able to see like what he saw and he knows where they're going. I I did not like this part where he like sneezes like nanobots out at the bartender that yeah. kill him. Like I was just like like I kind of felt like obviously this is a sci-fi movie and obviously you know it's not real, but I feel like they did a good job of grounding a lot of the stuff and like, okay, this is all like I can believe. But then like, I don't know, that just came out of nowhere to me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it doesn't ever yeah. really get fully explored. And I'm like, I felt like that part could have, I didn't need that part, you know? Yeah, like, I'm glad you brought cool. that up. Because I, I felt the exact same way. Because again, I do like this movie, but that one, when that happened, I was like, okay. I mean, I, I don't think that was really needed. I guess yeah. it was something yeah. else to throw in for like a sci-fi reason. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you 100%. And he really didn't need to kill the bartender, did he? Like, why was that death even necessary? Well, I and think I, the bartender was just kind of, I think, like kind of disrespecting him. Or he, he was oh, upset yeah. the bartender let Tolan get killed and all this stuff. But I don't know. I just think that like you got a guy who's got a shotgun built into his arm. Like, I feel like you can use that or something. You don't need to have him yeah. sneak I, out nanobots that go into the guy <laughs> and, like, kill him from the inside. Like, that was just, a, it seemed, I don't want to say far-fetched because it is, like, a futuristic sci-fi movie, but, like, it, it just, it, it just seemed It seemed bit. one step too far. Yeah, yeah. agreed, yes. Yeah. And, and how for a $3 million budget, that scene probably cost $1 million to make, so... <laughs> They probably could have yeah. saved themselves some good dough there. Yeah, there yeah, wasn't much true. DG, but that was about the only one. Yeah. The one only part. So he shows up in what what just looks like a just like a, a vacant big room. Yeah, with a bunch of druggies, I guess. Were they wearing VR headsets? Is that what yeah. I was getting? Yeah, like they they're were all kind of they're virtual ad- reality. They're addicted to VR. Essentially, is what it is. Yeah, which is going to come into a metaphor for the ending. 
Yeah. And so, um, you know, he meets uh, this person because it's Jamie. Jamie, not a boy, not a girl. It's a whole conversation about that, whatever. Um, And, you know, Jamie starts to work on, you know, getting, you know, breaking through the firewall and all that. In the meantime, you know, Fisk, when he did the whole, like, eye scan, you know, he finds out where Gray was going. So him and he's also got, like, a sidekick with him. I think he was just another guy that was with him for the murder. Yeah. Yeah, It was the fourth guy from the murder. Yeah. They know exactly where he is. So they're following, you know, they're they're heading over there uh, to confront him. And they do get there while he's still down. But there's chatting going on. But go ahead, Joe. I just want to say something real quick. Like, and whatever. Like, I I take everything with a grain of salt. But for, like, as complicated and, like, cutting-edge technology as stem cells would be, like, I understand it's a hacker. But I feel like that they were able to hack this system very quickly. Like, it's supposed to be the most complicated, like, electronic AI device, like, ever. And they're, like... A minute, they're like, "Okay, you're good." Like, I understand in the context of the movie, you know, like that just to move the plot along. But I was kind of like, "Really?" I was like, "This person hacked this like most complicated system ever in like a minute." They're like, "Okay, you're good. It's going to reboot. I'm out." Well, I don't think necessarily that it was a hack. I think it was just like a rewriting of some code that they had to do externally. So they probably didn't have any kind of, you know external firewall or, or something to block somebody from the outside getting in because because essentially that's what Elon uh, Aaron was doing <laughs> uh, <laughs> was getting in and um, so so I don't think that was really the issue I think it was more just like it couldn't it wasn't something that stem could do itself internally it had to be done externally in, in order to uh, to enact the code but doesn't okay. Stim also tell him, and hey, he has write he writes some stuff down yeah, in his arm. He, he essentially writes, yeah. Stem essentially writes the exact instructions of exactly what to do. That, that's true too. I guess, I guess that's true. So, all right, okay. You know what? I retract my complaint. <laughs> but, but you got me thinking here. So, what was Fisk's endgame? Because we kind of kind of the spoil maybe a little bit near the end of the movie. Fisk was not going to kill Gray. So was the plan to detain Gray? Like, what was it he was going to do once he got there? Well, Fisk was one of the... Fisk hated humans now because he thought they were a higher being. Him and his other uh, group that were enhanced and upgraded. And they wanted to start, like, their own... I don't know if you should say gang or group that were superior to humans. And I wouldn't, I'm not going to say I know what his end game was, but he was actually in his mind, which you'll find out later is wrong, but in Fisk's mind, he wanted to actually recruit gray. Um, but yeah, we get into that a little bit too. So I think, so you think he was there to kind of recruit gray, not yet join his crusade. Not yet. Not yet. I think he was there to preemptively stop gray because gray was coming after his guys. And then okay. realized that Gray had all of these augmentations, this superpower, and realized, okay, well, maybe I can turn this guy and bring him over to my side. Yeah, for later. Okay. Yeah, we were getting a little bit out of, out of order there, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it, it, it kind of made sense because this was the first scene where there was the interaction between the two. So. No, but yes. I, I agree with uh, Sphinx to a certain extent. I don't think they did a great – I mean, like, 
uh, not like a huge complaint, but I don't think they did a great job with Fisk's like agenda. It was kind of hard to like, it was like, they didn't really explain him too well. And then he kind of was like this whole monologue about like, like you were explaining, like he like doesn't like normal humans, but I don't know. I, that I didn't get fully connect with that part of it. I didn't think they kind of, it kind of just all spit out at one part and then he's gone, you know? So, yeah. yeah I, I think it's maybe the trade off of being a 90 minute movie, right? Yeah. No, yeah, I think it's true. You know, like if it was a two hour movie, we probably would have gotten a little bit more depth. So, you know, like, it, like you said, like it'd be nice to know a little bit more. Does it does it totally hurt the film? I don't think so, but yeah, you get the idea. So anyway, so so Stem does become you know he he wakes back up and they fight it out and he fucking blows off the head. That was yeah, that's crazy. The other guy. My favorite part of the movie is because like he's chasing them and they get to the roof of the building and Stem's like, listen, I'm just gonna end this quick. So he grabs the guy's shotgun arm breaks it, points it at his head, and fires it, and just <laughs> his whole head explodes. And it was it was super cool. It was really cool. Yeah. And was I this also an like, extra that lost his life, uh, LPJ? <laughs> what's it? Yeah. Practical effects. The other practical effects, which is crazy that they actually got that shotgun in his arm first and then killed him. I mean, that was... You know, I don't know how they were able to sign off on this. It's Australia, so maybe the rules are different yeah. there. You know, it's Australians well, I hear are tough. Penal colony, so maybe these guys were all, you know. They're death row guys, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> that's probably what it was. But I also like the scene when Fisk can see through the walls of the elevator because um, two people from the rival company are going to come and intervene, I guess. They're like like Aaron's security. Yeah, Aaron's security. And so he can see that they're coming and he shoots through the walls and murders them before the elevator makes it to the you know to the to the stop, which that's that's pretty cool too. And so Gray makes it back home. Uh he's walking and mom is there in the fridge. So mom's like, what the hell's going on here? So he does have to spill the beans a little bit to mom. Uh, Cortez, I believe, comes back again because once again, this crime scene, they see the wheelchair because the wheelchair was left in some alleyway. So Cortez is like, why do we keep seeing your wheelchair in all of these uh, crime scenes? <laughs> I, I just want we we skip past this. I just want to say it was another kind of funny comedy bit when he was when he was leaving the old bones. In the wheelchair, and like his body's gonna shut down, and Stem's like, "Hey, you, we gotta move faster." So he gets up and runs, and he leaves. And there's another guy in the wheelchair, and he's like, he calls him a faker. Whether he gets up <laughs> on his chair yeah. and walks over, and, and uh, I, I, I just like that did make me chuckle. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so Cortez, you know, is even more suspicious. So she plants a analog listening device into his coat. And then she leaves. And the point to make that it's analog is because STEM can't detect it. Okay. Right. And I, um, and I, I think the other big thing that kind of comes out in the scene that we find out is that like Gray is kind of over it. He's like, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. I want to stop. But from the hack and from shutting down these input guards is before STEM had to get permission to do all this stuff. Like Gray had to be like, hey, okay, take control and do this. But now that this hack has happened, STEM can just control his body and do whatever he wants. Like, Gray has no way to stop him. 
Right. Which this is kind of at the point in the film where you start to realize, okay, there's more going on here. It seemed pretty intentional that Stem wanted him to get the system overridden because, yeah, like you said, Hovercraft Joe, like Gray wants to stop because he just keeps killing people. And Stem's like, we're not stopping. We're going to see this through. So he hops in the Red Challenger and we have this great chase scene because obviously he's talking to Stem in the car while Cortez is listening in. So Cortez then knows that, you know, all that's going on. Uh, he does, you know, it gets detected that the analog listening device is there, which then it gets figured out that she's tailing them. And then we have this chase scene. And then again, like really dark stem grabs another autonomous vehicle and takes it over and fucking crashes it head on yeah. into the police car that Cortez is in. I think and, that, I mean, she that, gets fucked up, but she somehow ends up being okay at the end. And, and I think that was the totally. only other future car that they had in the budget for the movie. The right? two, yeah. yeah. The yeah. one in the beginning and then that one that he takes control of. But it, it was pretty cool because he just, like, flat floors it backwards and crashes, like, right into her. It is a, a pretty cool sequence. Yeah, and intense, too. Like, I mean, it, it was a legit, like, fucking crash that, that the two cars had. And so... um they are driving now to Aaron's. No, they're going yeah, to, to Fisk. No, they're going to Fisk's. You're right. I'm First, sorry. they got to find Fisk because uh, Fisk has that's his only lead at this point. Yeah, um, that's all he's got left. And so he gets to Fisk's house and uh, essentially just confronts him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they they have this pretty sweet fight. Um, yeah. And that's where Fisk tries to uh, recruit Gray to kind of join his cause. Uh, and of course. Gray Gray's not really having any of that, and then Stem essentially just kills him. Well, yeah, yeah he's able well, to get the emotion out of Fisk. Yeah, because Stem says, "Okay, yeah, I was oh, say, that's right, yes, yeah." Because the reason, fight that's going yeah. on is that Fisk can counteract everything Stem is doing. Yes, which also gives the hint that it's probably the same technology that the two have. It's just that. Again, Stem is upgraded from Fisk. Right. So, like, he can't outmaneuver him. So he has well, to he has to catch him with his emotions. So well, he brings up his brother's death, which was the first guy he killed, and that's what gets him off guard so he can finally murder him. I think the other important thing from the scene that we learned before they actually fight is that he tells them he's like he's like, Hey, we were we weren't hired to kill your wife. We were actually yeah. hired to sever your spine like that was the job like we just they didn't have to kill your wife i think we're supposed to believe that was like a thing he killed her because she wasn't upgraded i don't really know i don't feel like they did a very good job of ever explaining to me why he killed the wife when they were hired not to i I mean maybe i just didn't pick up on it but i i don't know if they really conveyed that to me but that's the big thing that comes out is like oh we were hired to shoot you in the spine and and the other part we just did i took it that she was kind of a loose end that that because she was there, right. she had to be yeah. taken care of. Because like, she expect- because with her job, she may have known, you know, she might have known a lot with the technology and might have been able to to stop STEM from doing well, what he ends up if doing. If you think about if you think about it, she wasn't going to go with him at first. He convinced her to go with him. Oh, that's was, true. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think she was supposed to be. There. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good Just call. Collateral damage then. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. I, I feel like he's like gives some kind of weird, like Fisk gives some kind of weird speech or something before he shoots her, though. Like, hey, 
But anyways, you know, neither here nor there. Anyways, okay. Yeah. So so then there's a phone call that Fisk that he he is able to access from Fisk, and the phone call is Aaron telling you know him to what Hovercraft Joe just said. You know, telling him that you needed to you know you needed to use Gray as a test subject, right? Like you shot him so that I could use him to put STEM in. Right. So at that point, STEM is convincing Gray, Aaron is the enemy. We need to go and kill Aaron. And so he shows up to Aaron's house. Um, and I wrote down, he shoots him, but am I off on no, that? I don't think he yeah, shot we, him yet. Yeah, too, too quick. There's yeah. a lot of explanation going on here. Yeah. yeah. Because Cortez shows up as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wrote down he shoots him. He shoots the two guards. Like he immediately yeah, he like kills oh, them. Yeah. Like, those two are dead in like half a second. Oh, and, and the way he did that, he didn't even look because of course yeah. Gray doesn't. That's what I wrote down. He doesn't even look. Yeah. <laughs> so so Cortez shows up, which again she seems pretty okay after that horrific car accident, but whatever. <laughs> um, and that is where Stem's trying to kill her because he needs to kill Aaron. And so he's Gray is trying to convince them don't kill her. And so he stabs a knife through his own arm to try and stop STEM. And it, it doesn't work. But then we find out that essentially Aaron was being controlled by STEM. Yeah. It, the reveal is that um, yeah. Aaron hasn't been in control of his company for years. But this AI he created called STEM has essentially taken over and is running his entire company. And this chip is just a way for STEM to uh, evolve and to upgrade himself. And yeah, to get access to a human body. To get access to a human body. Yeah. And uh, and that's what this is all been about. It's about this AI uh, essentially trying to become its own autonomous uh, person. Trying to become Skynet, pretty much. Yeah, this is a personal nightmare. And like we talked about earlier, they picked Gray because he didn't have any kind of enhancements. He needed a body that was like clean, basically, to take over. So that's why they set him up and kind of put this all into motion. Right. Yeah. So then there's this final confrontation with Aaron, and it seems like maybe he's going to make it okay. He gets stabbed in the face, but then he shoots himself, right? So he gets killed and then he walks over to Cortez and he's trying everything that he can to not shoot Cortez. And we find out that it kind of just fades into gray in a hospital bed. Yep. And Aisha, the wife is there and says, you've been here for a couple days. We're in a horrific accident, but everything's going to be okay. And so when I first saw it, I was like, oh, is this one of these fucking movies where it was a dream the whole time? And we find out, no, like pretty much Gray's mind just snaps from too much exhaustion. And his brain is just kind of taken over into this la la matrix world. And he's lost full control of his body. He's in this well, dream created. Yeah. The, Stem realized that the only way he could f- fulfill his goal is to uh, create a reality in which Gray uh, accepts his fate and yeah. just kind of lets go. Uh, and that reality is his wife is there. 
it's all been kind of a dream in his eyes uh, and, and sort of locks his personality and his his consciousness into its own kind of dream reality. Yeah, yeah. basically traps him in his mind so Stem can just, so he's like an empty vessel so Stem can just control everything for him. And, and that's kind of what happens. It's now that Stem has control, he fucking murders Cortez. Yep, immediately. And, yeah, just right away. And yeah. then leaves. And leaves. Well, well, first he uh, he tastes the blood on his finger. Oh, right. oh, yeah. The the opening scene of the movie when Gray cuts his finger while he's working on the car and licks the blood off. That's like the last thing that Stem does when he gets full control. Is like taste the blood on his finger. So, yep. yeah. And this is when I wrote in my notes: "Fucking dark as hell. I'm scared shitless." <laughs> yeah, I wrote down my notes. I- and then you, the movie ends. It's done. And then you, and then you, yeah. then you put some more empty jars on the wall uh, for you to pee into later. You know, because yeah. when you're trapped in your panic room. Because yeah. well, this movie, that like it's done. Like the movie ends horrifically. Well, can I ask you a question? And I, I'm sure you guys will give me an answer, and that's fine. But this is my question for you. Okay. So Stem was making Aaron do these things, right? Stem was running the company, but. How was Stem making him do all this stuff before he had a body? He was just an AI. It was like, but like, how was he forcing him to do stuff if he was just like a, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't have a physical form until he was in gray and was able to move around. So how was he so making him do all his bidding if he was just this computer system AI? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I'm wording. I think he kind of took like hostile control over the company, right? Well, what I, I think it's part partially that, and if you think about it, STEM is great at manipulating people. So I think what happens is STEM manipulated uh, Aaron into doing certain things uh, and, and guising it in a way, or and 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 and, and uh, phrasing it in a way to, to, that it would um, benefit his company and benefit uh, you know the progress that he wants to make, and then once. Aaron kind of realized what the ultimate plan was. Um, you know, that's when Aaron starts actively trying to stop STEM from taking control and he writes the code. I don't think Aaron realized what was going on until when he started actually writing the code. And this is what freaks me the fuck out. Cause have you seen Elon Musk? Like <laughs> he is a weird fucking dude. He doesn't seem like he's that smart. So I feel like, he would probably invent something fucking crazy that would take over his company and he would be in a position that he couldn't know what to do anymore. T- Twitter is going to flag it, you. Is this, is this Sphinx or is this Butterboy here? I don't know because I think you guys have the same opinion on our boy Elon. I do now after watching this movie. I'll tell I you just want to be able to afford one of his cars, that, you know, but too expensive. Not anymore because he might take over the car and kill you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Disclaimer, none of that is remotely true or proven. <laughs> I said might. Again, anyway. he might not. He Might is not correct. <laughs> There's no evidence to prove Elon Listen, Musk is trying to kill people. I'm not signing any affidavits or anything, all right? Not trying to get topical right now, but nonetheless. Do we have anything else we would like to say before we start bringing up uh, our ratings here? I guess I would just say... For me, that I I really do. There's a whole combination of things going on here, 
and and I'm just enjoying it. You know, like there's all that conspiracy. There's a sci-fi. There's the great action scenes. Again, all these different movies that that we've talked about are all kind of enrolled into the, this good film. And I, I do think though the movie was a little too dark for me. Um, not not the fact that it could be like this real reality, but that ending really did. It startled me. I didn't think that that you need to see Sam was going to win. You haven't seen Ex Machina, have you? No, I have. You have? Yeah, that, I yes. thought that was way darker than this. Oh, so do I. I 100% agree with you there, LPJ. Ex Machina was way dark. I actually did not think this movie... At, I didn't the think way it was that Sphinx dark. Is descri- yeah, the way Sphinx is describing it, I'm like, oh, maybe it was that dark. But no. I just thought it was a fun action sci-fi thriller. Uh, yeah, I don't want to be locked in my own mind if somebody murders my wife. and, and my, you know, I guess it'd be better to lock in your mind to be miserable all the time. But... I didn't think it was as dark as Sphinx saying, but then again, I'm not terrified that they're going to take over the world. But I do think that that's maybe the part that freaks me out is that he loses control of his own mind. Like he's thrown into, he doesn't, he's, he's in this alternate reality now and and he's going to forever be in it. You know, what if he never, if he ever, if he never figures that out though, is he really unhappy? Well, I gotta listen. it's well, messed up to think you know about. Now you get into that Matrix scenario. Uh, well, yeah. you, you know what? Then I guess oh, I'll bring this up. It's going on the <laughs> wow. All right, well, let's bring this up now then. Um, there was initially going to be a sequel to this, and um, that's actually being rewritten right now and redeveloped into a television series. Oh, uh, so as of, as of May 2020, they're actually working on creating this series with um, 1L is going to serve as the showrunner. Uh, and kind of uh, work with Blumhouse Television to set up an actual series. Uh, Is Logan Marshall Green supposed to come back? They, they, they didn't. They would. What, I think they said I it was going to be a new new no, characters. Yeah, I saw that they said it would be like a. It's going to be take place, you know, a little down the road, so it'd be like a more advanced version of. Stanford. Oh, okay. It would be in like a different body, so he probably. Oh, getcha. Right. So Gray's old, decrepit, and dead by that. So and <laughs> so maybe Gray comes out of it. You don't know. Yeah, no. could be. We'll maybe the power of his mind uh, overcomes the uh, AI. And he comes out of this perfect world where he can dream whatever he wants, be with his wife, and then he comes back to being a paraplegic with yeah, his dead wife. Yeah. That sounds amazing! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still watch it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, Alright, do we want to write this thing? I think so. Alright, let me hit the button. All right. Well, BMC, as our guest, you get to decide. Do you want to rate this first or do you want one of us to go first? Yeah, I'll go first because I know how much I really enjoy this movie. Uh, again, it's everything up my alley. Uh, I love sci-fi. I love action. Uh, I like the thriller portion of it where you're not really sure what's happening. You're guessing. Um, I just thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And especially because you actually guys looked into it more than I did. I didn't know the budget. I knew it was indie. But now that I know it was, what, three to five million, mm-hmm. I think I actually kind of put it a little bit higher than I was originally thinking. So you know what? I'm going to go four and a half machine guns. I'm going high on this one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go next. Okay. Well, I like this movie. I enjoy it. Um, the fight scenes are cool. It's something I've never seen before. Um, and you're right. It definitely looks like a $20 million movie. Like this looks like this movie looks like a good solid film. It does not look like an indie low budget film at all. Um, I do like the, 
little twist at the end. Um, they kind of telegraphed it a little bit, um, but you know, again, it was still effective the way they the way they revealed it. Um, and and I I like the film in general. I don't know that I like it nearly as much as you do, BMC. But I'm so I'm going to say a three and a half machine guns for me. Uh, I'll go next. Um, I, I'm probably more close to you, uh, LPJ. I, I have to say though, like I want to say this up front because, like I said, kind of going into this, there's very few movies you do on this podcast that are complete mystery to me. And this was one of them. And I'd say it was it was definitely a, a more of a delightful surprise. And like, because I really did enjoy watching it, and I really liked the action sequences. Like, I, I thought they were very inventive, and it, it, I had a good time with this movie. I do agree with Sphinx, not because of his AI paranoia, <laughs> but I did I, I did find it to be a little dark. And as much as I enjoy a short movie. I kind of felt like this movie, like it was too short for the ideas that it had. Like I felt like it needed a little more space to breathe, to kind of flesh out like what was going on with Fisk and his pro like robot agenda. And like, why was STEM able to do all this stuff and take over the, you know, like to me, I needed a little more to flesh out some of that. Just, I, I think it could have breathed a little more if we would have been got to that two hour range. And I don't ever say that. I'm always a fan of like, hey, I want movies to be short. But I think for the ideas that they were trying to introduce in this movie, that it needed a little more time to breathe. That being said, I still had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, And it's definitely worth checking out because, like I said, a lot of people that are going to listen to this are not even going to know what we're talking about. So I say definitely give it a watch. Uh, But I'm going to go three and a half as well. Yeah, I'm going to split the difference between everybody. I'm going to go with a four machine gun. Um, and I think everyone really kind of said the the feelings that I have. Like, I agree with Hovercraft Joe that I actually wish this was like a two-hour movie so we could find out a little bit more of of the story. Um, but then I also, you know, we already, I already mentioned I don't like how dark it was. <laughs> um, I wish it was a little bit more uplifting, I guess. Were you scared? Um, I am. <laughs> paranoid. But the action scenes were great. They were innovative. They were unique. He threw the Lex out the window. Get out of here! <laughs> yeah. No more cell yeah. phone. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and it was really an enjoyable watch. And it's, again, it's a movie that's made me think a lot. So I'm going to give it four machine guns. Um, that's where I'm going to end up putting this film. So, BMC, I will say, like, thank you so much for bringing this movie to us. Yeah, um, yeah. I- I would, I mean, like, and I'm just gonna say, like, it's refreshing to get a movie that's not, like, based on some kind of, like, existing IP, or it's not a sequel, or anything like that, that this is just, like, an original idea, and um, the one thing I didn't, I wanted to bring up real quick, I forgot this is in my notes, is that it kind of came up, because this came out the same year as Venom, which we covered, and I guess it came up that they said that, like, in some ways, it's very similar, (laughs) because of, like, the person he's talking to in his head and controlling yeah. his body and stuff like that. And like, there's a lot of similarities. And like, we talked about how the lead actor looks a lot like Tom Hardy. So I guess that that came up a lot, but like the, um, the uh, director of this is like, yeah, that's just coincidental. It's obviously it is, but it's just kind of crazy that they came out in the same year. And there, there are a lot of similarities. I mean, obviously this movie is completely different, but just some of it is, but anyways, sorry. Is it a hot take to say, I think Logan Marshall green did a better job in, as gray than Tom Hardy did. Is that is a, that's a perfect take. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> sure if it's not correct. 
And I actually do like Venom for the the dumb action fun movie that it was. I'm not saying it's a great piece of cinema, but I had fun with it. That movie's yeah. grown, that movie's grown on me. So I will say yeah, this. Yeah, that, that's that's a that's a movie that I I can totally get that it's not good, but I I like watching it. So. So, let's just say, guys, I do. I am glad that I picked this movie because originally I was going to go with a joke movie and just to kind of piss off LPJ just because <laughs> I think it would have been funny. But at LPJ, because we go back, I didn't do that to you. But uh, can I give you guys just one recommendation that's based sci fi but not action? Uh, Archive. Just watch Archive. That's all I'm going to say. Archive. Okay. Never heard yeah, of it. All Archive. right. It's also a low budget indie movie. I, I guess I like low budget indie movies, but uh, it's really, really good. Okay, can I recommend a sci-fi movie to you? Yes, please. Wing Commander. You should totally see Wing Commander. It's great. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Why I should know this, right? No. Okay. Nope. I'll look it just, up. Look it up. Just watch it. You'll you'll I, you'll, I, you'll, I don't you'll know thank me. See, yeah, you'll I feel like I wouldn't me. trust anything LPJ is telling see, me. I can Definitely see LPJ's face, so uh-huh. I don't know if I trust that face. Yep. Wing <laughs> Commander. No. Best movie of the year. You'll thank me. Uh, see, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, well, not really, besides uh, keep listening to all the podcasts here at the GameZilla Network because they're awesome. I'm a truck driver, so I get to listen to everything. Um, but uh, no, I don't really have anything to plug. I just, you know, work and take care of my family. I don't stream. I play video games. You can play games with me, I guess, if you want to, if you want to carry me to wins and Battle Royale. Because again, I'm, <laughs> I don't play those as much, but yeah. That's there a fair enough plug. Uh, who wants to do the plugs for uh, you know our stuff? I don't know. BMC did a pretty good job right there. <laughs> yeah. <See that>? So <laughs> we, we do. We've got, we've got shows almost every every day. So that if you are that truck driver out there, you can keep yourselves entertained while you're on the road. We got us last action podcast on Mondays. We've got Gamezilla podcast on Tuesdays talking about current video gaming news. We got Noobs and Dragons our D and D campaign on Wednesdays. Thursdays, we got the Legend of Retro Boys bringing out that classic retro video game recaps. And we do have Noiseland Arcade as well. Not currently doing new episodes, but they've got three seasons worth of The Simpsons that you can look back on and enjoy. Uh, And there's also Patreon.com slash Gamesilla Media. If you uh, love what we do, and I know, BMC, you are a patron, are you not? For, I'm also uh, an OG patron. I want to say I was the first patron, but I wasn't the first patron. <laughs> but I've been there since the first month. There we go. Look at that. So would you agree that the $5 tier that we offer is is well worth the money, getting all those extra shows that each of us, each show provides? Oh, absolutely. Because I listen, and I don't want to even admit this, because I'm supposed to say I only listen to GameZilla Media Podcasts, but... <laughs> I work a lot, so I have time to listen to other. I hear other people talk about their Patreon specials, and it's like, for the $15, we're going to be a shout out. I'm like, I don't care if you say my name on the podcast for 15 bucks, but you guys, every podcast gets a special episode, uh, you know, for VIPs like myself. <laughs> there you go. So there is value in that $5 a month because, you know, it can be hard to, to do that. We also do the $1 tier too. But, you know, please check us out on Patreon. Please give us a great rating on any of the podcast uh, systems that you use. Uh, yeah, I think that's what we got. Yeah. Well, yeah. BMC, thanks for being here. It's finally, we finally were able to get you on. You know, it only took uh, a, a, a deadly disease uh, for us to get you on. But you're here yeah. now. So, so yeah, thank you. For thanks, being here. thanks, guys. 
And thanks for bringing us a movie that I don't think we ever would have no. covered had you not brought it to our attention. And Didn't notice I think we all, Yeah, universally across the board, I think we all enjoyed watching it. Yep. So thanks for bringing something yep. kind of new to our attention for sure. That makes me happy. I think that we accomplished what we wanted to with this one. Yeah, all right. For well, sure. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. Tim Matsuyama, Elon Musk kills us all. <laughs> I'm gonna end this shit.